Whether you're a first-time poultry owner or looking to expand your flock, you can always use some helpful advice. Blaine's Farm and Fleet's got you covered. With great info and products to help raise healthy birds in-store or online at farmandfleet.com forward slash chick days. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Five minutes after five o'clock on the final Friday of September. You've got a little bit of a, a nip in the air. I guess you could say this morning. Yesterday was absolutely beautiful, but you can tell temperatures, they are changing. And so is our wet weather pattern, I'm afraid. For today, the forecast is calling for a 90% chance of showers, maybe even a thunderstorm. It's going to stay breezy today. 69 are expected high. For Saturday, partly sunny, 62 with a 30% chance of showers. Again, overnight Saturday into Sunday, breezy and wet on Sunday, 70 degrees. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of World Dairy Expo, I'm afraid it looks like we've got showers in the forecast. We'll find out how firm that forecast is when we talk with Stumacher, Ag Meteorologist, about 15 minutes down the road. Speaking of down the road, we want to give you a preview on World Beef Expo that officially gets going today at State Fair Park in West Dallas and a preview on World Dairy Expo next week. Plus, I'm taking you back to Alaska where one farm family is growing the grain they need to make Alaska flour. That story all before six. Collect tools for dairy's progress in Madison, Wisconsin, October 1st through 5th at World Dairy Expo. Continuing a 53-year tradition, the global dairy industry will once again meet at the Alliant Energy Center, where the finest dairy cattle and dairy trade show in North America are on display. Virtual farm tours, expo seminars, youth contests, and social activities throughout the week make Expo an ideal location for learning and networking. Visit WorldDairyExpo.com to start planning your trip today. We'll see you October 1st through the 5th. We hear a lot about organic markets or organic marketing in the rural countryside, but what do we really know about it? This is Scott Schultz on the northern end of the world's longest barn, and Josh, you folks on that southern end of the world's longest barn aim to fill us in a little bit more about organic marketing. That's right, Scott. I think we're all learning something here in the state of Wisconsin about organic markets. Josh Scramlin here on the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison. And the markets are fairly understandable when it comes to conventional ag. And there are numerous websites and analysts dedicated to it. But what about organics? Our very own Reba McClone found out more about what organic markets are looking like. You know, a lot of people might be wondering, are things really greener on the other side? And there's a lot of factors that maybe could go into someone considering switching to organics from conventional agriculture. I'm talking with Ryan Corey, the director of economics at Mercaris, just about how things are looking in the organic market. So right now, yeah, what are organic market numbers looking like, Ryan? You know, all in all, I'd say the organic industry is standing on pretty solid footing. You know, uh, there are definitely some issues in the industry, uh, some that are very similar to what we see in the conventional with respect to how weather has impacted stuff. And we have some of our own unique trade issues. But the fundamentals behind the industry, the growth of demand and the ability for us to supply that demand domestically leaves a, uh, a place for the industry to be very strong right now. And you bring up kind of how you guys are having to deal with some of the same issues that anyone in agriculture is having to face right now regarding the weather. How how has that impacted you guys this year? Sure. You know, organic producers, they're somewhat in a unique position when they're impacted by weather, particularly the way that they were this year. And the fact that 
organic producers are far more reliant on the use of cover crops, whether it be for weed control, whether it be for uh, building soil quality, or even even for generating revenue. Uh, things like winter rye and winter wheat are very important in the organic sector. So some of the issues we're seeing from weather stem from the ability to manage cover crops this year. Uh, with the winter being as long and cool and dragging into the spring and wet as it was this year, it was difficult to get in and either harvest or terminate or till in some of these cover crops the way that we needed. And so whenever you start to look at how that bleeds into planting this year, well, in addition to just the difficulty of managing a wet field, you know, from a conventional perspective, it's hard enough to get in there and put in corn or soybeans when it's, you have these wet, cold conditions. But the organic sector had the additional challenge of trying to manage cover crops that were difficult to, to manage this year. And so those, those are the issues that we really kind of see shaping up or the, impacting how things have shaped up for the acreage outlook for this year. You keep talking about the different acreage levels. How are organic acres doing in 2019? Sure. You know, overall, we're looking at organic field crop acres to be up about 7% this year. And really what that is, is across the U.S., we're seeing about a 6% increase in the number of total certified organic operations. And with that increase, we're also seeing a marginal increase in the number of acres harvested per operation. And so with that, you know, I would like to see stronger acreage growth across the U.S., um, but but it makes sense that we're not seeing stronger acreage growth this year because there's a lot of crops that we will saw declining acreage in that we wouldn't have expected, uh, particularly corn and soybeans. And so what it looks like is with that 6% increase in the number of operations, that's definitely a strong sign of continued growth in the industry. You know, we'll continue to see more farmers move into the segment. But where we're seeing acres fall out is essentially operations are planting fewer acres or rather, I'm sorry, harvesting fewer acres this year as an extension of planting fewer acres. And where we're really seeing that is coming from crops like corn, soybeans, and wheat across the corn belt. You know, if we look at total harvested wheat acres across the U.S. this year for the organic sector, we're expecting total wheat harvest to be up about 4% year over year. Uh, but that's really coming out of the western and northwestern section of the United States where they didn't have quite as combative of a winter, and they're not quite as reliant on winter wheat for their wheat production. It's really coming out of that central Corn Belt region where we're seeing these other reductions of corn and soybeans that we're seeing those wheat acres get cut. So I think the the general reading of the tea leaves with this report is it's generally positive for the industry growth, or the growth of the industry, rather. But there are some areas this year where we're going to see some acres fall, and that's going to create some tight supply over the next year. And when you talk about tight supply, last time we talked, we talked a bit about how there's quite a bit of grain that's brought in internationally. With that tighter supply, I'm assuming that would be more that needs to come in. How have the trade deals or lack thereof impacted the organic markets? You know, when it comes to the uh, international trade deals that have really kind of been the plight of the general agricultural sector, those really don't impact the organic sector. Um, and that's because the organic sector works counter to the conventional sector in that we're actually a large net importer. Uh, a lot of those trade deals, particularly the ones with China, are all about exports or the exportation of uh, meat that's being produced from conventional grains and oil seeds, where we have an actual large import situation. You know, I think if you look at organic corn, we're going to import somewhere around 25% of our U.S. supplies this year. 
Uh, if you're looking at organic soybeans, I think we're going to import somewhere around 75% uh, of our supplies. And, and that 75% is including organic soybean meal, uh, which is becoming an increasingly significant portion of that import picture. But those trade pick the issues with uh, tariffs and things of that nature really haven't been an impact on the organic sector. Really what I think we'll see play out on the trade side for the organic is with supplies tightening over this next year, we'll probably see a rebound in some of the uh, organic corn imports, which have actually kind of waned a little bit over the past two years. Um, I don't know that we'll see them return to quite the historic le levels that we saw uh, a few years back where they were kept going up year after year. But I definitely expect we'll see an increase based on some reduced production. And then on the soybean side, which is the other major side of the imports for the organic sector, you know, it, it, it's a question, will this year see a rise in soybean imports or will this see an escalation of the trend we've seen over the past couple of years? which is actually declining soybean imports and increasing organic soybean meal imports. And so it's really going to be a question of will we see meal continue to outpace whole bean with this short domestic soybean supply situation, or will this lead to a, a resurgence of whole bean imports this year? So there, there's a few different things to really keep your eye on from a trade perspective in the organic sector this year, but they kind of operate in a vacuum from the trade uh, issues that are inflicting or being inflicted upon the uh, conventional sector this year. That's really understandable then since you're kind of, like you said, the, you're the shoe on the other foot where you're focusing more on imports. You're talking about the levels being a bit lower regarding acreage, mm -hmm. but overall, how is harvest looking for 2019? You know, I think there's a lot of things being reflected in the organic sector that you see in the conventional. Uh, we have a lot of our uh, production that has been cut in terms of acreage because of the weather, and then we're going to see some reductions in yield in terms of weather. Uh, we're currently in the process of putting together our final production or our preliminary production outlook for organic grains and oil seeds for the 2019-2020 uh, marketing year. We haven't fully put those numbers together yet, but every indication suggests that the supply will be down pretty significantly from where it was last year. Uh, again, maybe with the exception of wheat, where wheat may have the opportunity to be slightly better off. Uh, but that, those uh, wheat supplies are primarily going to be in the food-grade wheat market, not in the feed grade. I think we'll see some tighter supplies in the feed grade, similar to what we're seeing in corn and soy. So it, it's definitely shaping up to be a year where uh, organic grain and oilseed purchasers are going to have to be aware of what's going on with supply and be thinking a little more creatively about how they're going to meet their needs over the next year. And any big thoughts or main ideas regarding next year? I think right now where we're sitting, uh, we have a pretty good idea of how the next year, this, this next marketing year is shaping up. It's pretty clear that we're going to be starting off with tighter supplies. Uh, the real dynamic thing to watch over the next year is going to be trade. You know, how will this tightness in U.S. supply be reflected in what we import over the next year? Um, and then I think the next big thing that's important to keep in mind is, you know, there's been a lot of acute focus on the issues that have evolved over this past year and how they're going to impact production for this uh, this harvest. We now have a pretty good idea of what that looks like. And with that in mind, we need to start putting our, our mind on where are things going to be over this next year and how are things going to respond when we get to har uh, planting in the spring. 
And so really where we are now is we have enough understanding of what's going on to have a little bit of hindsight and start thinking ahead about how we're going to plan for the year to come. That was Ryan Corey, the director of economics at Mercaris, sharing his insight regarding the organic grain market. From the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison, I'm Reba McClone. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Shopping at Rogan's Shoes is fun. Shop great name brands and get the second pair for half price. Mix and match shoes for your entire family. If you don't need a second pair of shoes or boots at the time of your purchase, just bring in your receipt at a later date to receive your half price discount. Rogan's Shoes, a family-owned and operated company. Madison East and West and Janesville and Beloit. Equal value or less, some exclusions may apply. See complete details at a store near you. Thank you to everybody that made it to our free travel show. It looks like you want to join me in Panama and Costa Rica to kick off the new calendar year. Pam Yankee here. Our next farm adventure, January 4th through the 13th. We're visiting Costa Rica and Panama. You want to come along? We've got a brand new tool for you to be able to learn more about the trip. All you need to do is jump online. Holidayvacations.com. Enter keyword Pam, and they've got special online video presentations to show you some of the sites that we'll be enjoying on the trip. And that includes, of course, Doka Coffee. We'll visit Corso Dairy and learn a little bit about agriculture in Costa Rica. There's Arnal Volcano National Park, Monteverde Cloud Forest Reserve. Then it's on to Panama, where we'll not only enjoy a full transit on the Panama Canal, but we'll also get a chance to visit with the indigenous population that still make that region their home. Call Holiday Vacations toll-free, 800-826-2266, and join me on this Costa Rica-Panama trip. Get insurance from a company who knows Wisconsin and cares about your community. You may know Rural Mutual Insurance as the number one farm insurer, but did you know they also offer competitive home and auto rates? Visit RuralMutual.com to learn more about products and discounts. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. She's like your older sister, but louder. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. 520 now as we get ready to say goodbye to September. Hello, October. And time for us to find out what's coming our way weather-wise. Today and through the weekend, Stu Mockag, meteorologist, joining us live via Skype. Hey, buddy, I didn't get a chance to talk to you since the big news up in northwest Wisconsin. Elk Mound, where I actually used to live. A tornado. Boy, is that kind of weird to get a tornado in Wisconsin that late in September? It may seem a little strange, Pam. After all, you know, we don't normally think of September tornadoes, but that strong storm in western Wisconsin, an EF3, that's 136 to 165 mile per hour winds. It's fairly rare, especially in northern Wisconsin, but not out of the question. I see you have to go back about 50 years to 1971 when there was a storm that strong that late in the year. You know, why does it all happen? One of the big problems is we're not building in that abundant low-level moisture at this time of the year. You know, the air mass is colder. The moisture isn't that thick like it is in summer. 
But then, of course, there's also that first stronger jet stream like we've seen, trying to push cold season air on in as well, and that does spark some intense convection, and that's when tornadoes and storms like that can develop. So, you know, although it's unusual, I guess I wouldn't quite call it rare. Well, we aren't going to talk about anything like that around here today, although a cool front is building in out of the northwest, and there will be some rain around. I mean, showers and even thunderstorms are what we expect, especially as we head toward the afternoon in southern Wisconsin this morning further to the west temperatures as well with cloudy skies and that rain won't be quite so nice like they were yesterday so a little bit cooler but the rain chance sticks around not only this afternoon but into the night or into early Saturday morning especially in south and southeast Wisconsin the rain will be heaviest from Missouri Iowa into southern Wisconsin I think the Madison area some quarter to three quarter inch amounts a thunderstorm could provide closer to an inch you head further up toward western Wisconsin quarter to maybe half inch amount of rain not near Nearly as much, but the rain chance is something you're going to deal with, and it does mean excessive moisture. Still very, very wet soils that will continue. So warm fronts moving up for today, cold front pulls through, and winds turn more to the north as we make our way on through tonight. By Saturday, we dry it out, but definitely stay on the cooler side. Is that all going to change? I think we do start to warm up a bit on towards Sunday and Monday, but we'll see another front edge in late Saturday night or into Sunday. Another round of some showers or thunderstorms develop could be another quarter to half inch in the south with temperatures then back to normal and a bit above at least on toward monday and tuesday a little unsteady with rain chances popping up now and again even into early next week tuesday wednesday toward thursday we're not going to get that good dry out we'd really like to see i'll have the forecast details right after this Well, congratulations to the class of 2019, the UW School of Veterinary Medicine, sending some fantastic trained professionals to much of rural Wisconsin. That includes Kendra Hodge, an Appleton native that's going to stay in Wisconsin. She said her experiences at the UW School of Veterinary Medicine were wonderful, despite some cramped spaces. Demand for veterinarians is so high, so, you know, we're trying to meet that demand, but um, the facility is only so big. But the staff there and the um, professors and the clinicians are so wonderful. It was definitely, you felt supported the whole way along. Kendra Hodge, a brand new graduate of the School of Veterinary Medicine that will stay in Wisconsin. But that facility needs more space. They've got even a bigger incoming freshman class this fall. Find out about their expansion plans and how you can support them with a phone call, email, or letter. Get online. Animals need heroes too. T-O-O.com. Today, of course, along with cloudy skies, expect showers and even some thunderstorms, especially in the afternoon in the central and southern parts of the state. We'll be in the upper 60s, maybe a 70 or so at La Crosse. South winds 8 to 18, gust near 30. Showers, even thunderstorms last into the night, mostly cloudy, dropping back down to the low 50s. West winds become north about 5 to 10. A slight chance of rain in the south early Saturday, mostly cloudy. Could be a shower in the west late in the day. We'll still be in the low 60s. The northeast winds at 5 to 10, and then cloudy Sunday, showers, a few thunderstorms around, about mid to upper 60s for highs come Sunday, warming up toward Monday, more likely in the 70s. But rain in southern Wisconsin today and tonight, a quarter to three quarter for late Saturday into Sunday, a quarter to half in the south, lighter amounts in the west. There's your good news, Pam. Nonetheless, it's going to be wet, and it's going to stay pretty wet as we look right on toward next week, probably not drying out in a real big hurry. Very good, guys. 
got it, Stu. Thank you. And get ready for World Dairy Expo next week. We'll need some precise forecasting on just exactly what kind of gear we better be ready to take out to the show. Coming up on 525, after 530, we are going to give you a preview on World Dairy Expo and, of course, talk more about World Beef Expo, which is underway today at State Fair Park in West Allis. And before 6 o'clock, I introduce you to an Alaskan family growing grain in the Delta region to make Alaska flour and some extra products they didn't imagine developing. Stick around for those stories after 5.30. It's 5.25. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Are you fairly fit but would love a little edge up? Are you entering middle age with a slowing metabolism and weak core? MSculpt may be your answer. A skincare minute with skincare expert Michelle Neeson. Rejuvenation Clinic of Sauk Prairie is proud to be one of the first clinics in the area to offer this new muscle building technology called MSculpt. It's approved for building and toning abs, arms, butt, thighs, and calves. MSculpt works. One 30 minute treatment can be equivalent to 20,000 crunches or 20,000 squats. It's safe, effective, and painless with virtually no downtime. Sound too good to be true? Visit Rejuvenation Clinic of Sauk Prairie to learn more. Let your natural beauty shine through. View our specials at rejuvenationclinicofsaukprairie.com. There is no reason to be intimidated by words like gold, diamonds, jewels. No reason at all, especially when you stop into Goodman's Jewelers, 220 State Street, same location they've been at for over 85 years because they haven't been in business that long by intimidating people. They've been in that business by having beautiful pieces at all price points, whether it be an engagement ring, a wedding band, a pendant, maybe even a necklace, birthday, anniversaries, so many different occasions to give such beautiful jewelry that is very affordable. And of course, they've got the bling bling, the shine and diamonds, but they also have a great selection of other exotic gemstones and a lot of the cuts that are super hot these days. They may have that traditional feel, that traditional customer service, but they also have the new modern looks of today. Stop in and take a look at their jewelry case. Talk to the staff. Find out what it is that they have and what it is that they can create. Go online, goodmansjewelers.com. Someday, everyone will have an energy-efficient tankless water heater and an endless supply of hot water. Benjamin Plumbing is now an A-certified dealer of Renai Tankless Water Heaters, the number one selling tankless water heater in North America. Renai Tankless Water Heaters are up to 40% more efficient and provide endless hot water. Stop wasting tons of energy keeping 40, 50, even 75 gallons of water hot all day and night with your old water heater. Call Benjamin Plumbing today and learn more about the new state-of-the-art energy-efficient Renai tankless water heaters, including a factory-extended warranty. Go tankless. Endless hot water for your home with a new Renai water heater from Benjamin Plumbing. Hi, Dale Benjamin with Benjamin Plumbing. When we say your plumbing problem is fixed, we mean it. No excuses. I guarantee it. Contact Benjamin Plumbing at BenjaminPlumbing.com. Now you've got a friend in the plumbing business. Benjamin Plumbing. 
Here at Prairie Estates Genetics, we provide dairy farmers with high-quality silage minus the risks. You see, by combining our next-gen seed and next-gen forage management services, we're able to help dairy farmers improve harvest consistency, feed consistency, and milk production consistency. So why not do the same for your farm? Visit prairieestatesgenetics.com and see how you can make next year's harvest your best one yet. Prairie Estates Genetics, the future of forage is here. Another Rig Your Ride idea from Madison Auto Trim. You would love your very own personal magic wand, where one wave and your world would change in an instant. It's the same feeling with a remote starter from Madison Auto Trim and Accessories. Start, warm, or cool your car. Have yours installed starting at just $3.99. Madison Auto Trim and Accessories. Affordable luxury you deserve to have. Improve what you already got and rig your ride with Madison Auto Trim. Mmm, need to get some rest. This is the worst headache ever. Mmm, right arm's all tingly all of a sudden. Must have slept on it last night. I keep losing my balance. These old bones need some exercise. Granddaddy, what you just said doesn't even make sense. It sounds like gibberish. Signs like these could be more than what they seem. They could be a sign of stroke. Sudden weakness or numbness of the face, arm, or leg. Sudden trouble with vision in one or both eyes. Sudden trouble walking or difficulty with balance. Or a sudden intense headache that comes out of nowhere. If you or someone you know has any of these symptoms, don't wait. Call 911 immediately. You could make a difference in someone's life, someone you love, maybe even your own. Time lost is brain lost. Find out more at PowerToEndStroke.org. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Stroke Association, and the Ad Council. Well, Jocko, uh, visiting with our buddy Jocko, NBC15. I don't know what your current facial hair situation is, but I got news for you, my friend. You better start I'm, growing because... I'm growing it out, baby. That th- is awesome, isn't yep. it? Not the three not- of us, uh, people listen to Jocko's segment every Wednesday. Back in mid-June, when things looked bleak, we made a proclamation that if the Brewers made the playoffs, the three of us would grow soul patches. Well, they have clinched, Jocko, at least game 163. It's over. I mean, they're going to be in the playoffs, which means you, Evo, and I are rocking soul patches here pretty soon. And, and you know, we uh, the three of us are always, you know, glass half full, right? I mean, always. always. And, and, and there were there were times where, you know, like my my razor was was uh, was not worried at all about shaving around, you know, the soul patch. But uh, but but you, you, the three of us never lost faith. You know, there, there was never doubted it. <laughs> there were times where it was rather bleak and probably people thought we were crazy more than usual of course but uh Jocko I heard another show holding a funeral for the Brewers like a couple weeks ago no, we man. never doubted it, it it's just dumb it's just, yeah, I just dumb you know, like you get you know I'm I'm the I think I'm the oldest of the, of the three and I you know we've been through so many crappy years with the Brewers and um when there's at least even a chance you're saying there's a chance yeah. that that you have to you have to believe or at least know that you know oh you can't sell you know why be sellers why why stay put why you know they, the Brewers made some small acquisitions and they've all you know for the most part have worked out in, in a good way and it, you know everybody thought well they're not trying or whatever but uh, and when when the team lost Yelich I mean it was uh, you know other people were starting funerals but uh, this team has come together you know they still have to 
to at least win one more, Cubs lose one more to to clinch it, and you know with, with the Cardinals losing in seven hours last night, which was awesome. Um, there's still a chance for the division. There's still a chance to host the wild card. It's amazing. Uh, visit with our buddy Jocko, NBC 15. Yeah, final thought on the, on the Brewers, Jocko. We put this uh, Twitter poll out in the field. You know, out of all the craziness in this turnaround from, you know, the Elitch injury to Jordan Lyles, a guy that was, you know, a cast off on a bad pirate team to, you know, the, the resurgence of Josh Hader. You know, he looked like Ricky Vaughn, you know, in, in minor leagues, you know, couldn't hit the, the, the target, you know, two months ago to now he looks like unhittable again. Like what what to you is the biggest craziness of this turnaround? I just think that you know when when Yelich went down, I thought that was that was the craziest part. Uh, just that you know you lose your MVP, you lose your you know he's basically the glue that holds everything together. He's the team leader, and uh, everybody rallied around him and didn't give up. And I just think that that's cool the way that uh, that that happened. I mean, there, there were smaller things, and you know Jordan Lyles. He, he, again, we thought you know that they made small deals and. You wanted him to make a huge deal and give up the farm, um, but it was just all of it has been really cool to watch. And uh, the best thing is it's not over yet. Uh, Jacko, I have to ask you real quick: um, How great does it feel to know that the Cubs are just cratering out and imploding in front of our eyes? Like, how does it make you feel? It feels better than a hangover when you're 21, calling in sick to sleep mortgage. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, it, uh, it's uh, it, it is scary. I mean, you know, you get, you you don't feel bad, right? I mean, they would never feel bad for the Brewers and uh, Brewer fans, and uh, just the way that you know, after Game One Sixty Three, and then this year the Brewers had uh, you know fell behind again, and and they, they were left for dead, and and you know, I think a lot of Cub fans are like, well, see, you don't belong here, and uh, um, and they're the ones that fell apart. It's it's pretty sweet. And Jacko, what do you think about the uh, the Packers Thursday night football against the Eagles? Yeah, they, they, I mean the short turnaround. They looked good, you know, they looked solid. I wouldn't say you know there were times where the offense sputtered on uh, on on Sunday against Denver, but the defense looks amazing, and it's almost uh, it's almost weird to see again just how good this defense is. Um, so, uh, but but again, a quick turnaround. You know, if it was a full week, I would have no doubts, but. Uh, Philly's, uh, you know, licking their wounds a little bit. Yeah, they're banged up big time. Yeah, they're banged up big time, and uh, but it, it kind of scares me cause just because you know they are the Eagles and they've been they've been so good in the, in the recent years that uh, um, the any team that comes in like that kind of scares you. But uh, I'm, I'm hoping, and you know that uh, when we go up there on Thursday, that the, the Packers can go four and zero, which is crazy. Hell yeah. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Not a lot to report to you on a Friday morning, the 27th day of September. On this date back in 1996, the Taliban took over Kabul. On this date back in 1937, the Bali Tiger went extinct. Happy birthday to performer Meatloaf, as well as Gwyneth Paltrow. And now you know, I'm Pam Yonke. Now, from the Landmark Services Cooperative Agri-News Desk, here's what's happening on a Friday. Busy weekend ahead, that is for sure. Today is the beginning of World Beef Expo at State Fair Park in West Allis. We don't want to overshow, overshadow that uh, just because World Dairy Expo is coming up next week. It is their 27th annual show at State Fair Park, and Jim Wren, who is the board president, says if it's beef, it's going to be there. Oh, you'll see literally every breed that you can think of. Um, we have... 
you know, obviously our um, Angus and Hereford, but we have Belted Galloway, Sementals, we have uh, Highlands, Red Angus, American British White Park Show, uh, Mini Herefords, American Galloway, Maine Ajou, Waigou, um, you know, it, it, it literally, uh, Charlay's, uh, Keania, uh, literally any, basically, if it's if it's in the beef herd, for the most part, it's it's going to be there. Jim Wren, he's the board president for World Beef Expo, starting today, running through Sunday, State Fair Park in West Allis. They are expecting somewhere around 70,000 people to attend both World Beef Expo and the Harvest Fair happening at the same time. Last year, they had cattle from 18 different states. This year, they are hoping for somewhere in the neighborhood of 5,000 livestock exhibitors in total for their 27th annual show, like I said, going on at State Fair Park in West Allis this weekend. Keep your eyes open, too, if you're there on Saturday night for the Champion Drive. Our own Josh Scramlin going to be at the center ring helping to announce that class. It's 537. The fabulous farm babe Pam Yonke and her farm crew will be all over World Dairy Expo October 1st through the 5th. The Midwest Farm Report's coverage of the World Dairy Expo is made possible by D. Lavelle. D. Lavelle develops premium dairy solutions to help farmers achieve top milk quality, maintain herd health, and meet productivity and profit expectations. D. Lavelle says we live milk. And ST Genetics, the best way to predict the future is to create it. Visit ST Genetics at World Dairy Expo to talk about elite genetics and strategic partnerships. Tune in to the Midwest Farm Report for the latest from World Dairy Expo. Simple question. Do you enjoy making firewood? Does your whole family run towards the truck when you say you're headed to the woodlot? I'm guessing not. I'll tell you what. It's a chore that's got to be done. Why not make it easier on yourself and your family? My buddies at McFarland's are here to help. They've got sawdust days going on now through October 6th. Sale deals on trimmers, blowers, chainsaws from Steel and Husqvarna. All kinds of different models. They also have Brave Log Splitters that are on sale, both the horizontal or vertical setup. Now, talk about making a job go easier. How about a brand new chainsaw? How about a log splitter to make things move smoothly? But remember, the deal only goes through October 6th. Remember, if you've already got a chainsaw, they've got deals for you. Buy one Steeler Husqvarna chainsaw chain, get the second one for half price. They've also got 15% off all steel and Husqvarna accessories, the bar oils, mix oils, and all the safety equipment. Check it out yourself. 7080 Carolina Street in the heart of Sauk City, McFarland's. So the announcement was made yesterday by U.S. Department of Ag officials that they are going to top up the prevent plant acreage payments to producers. Undersecretary Bill Northey made the announcement, said they're working with crop insurance providers to give farmers everything they can in the way of support. So the way it looks right now, producers with yield protection and revenue protection with harvest price exclusion are going to get a 10% top-up payment. Producers with revenue protection will get a 15% top-up payment. Now, you don't have to do anything to get these payments. It's all part of your crop insurance paperwork already covered. So if you saw 2019 prevented planting indemnity, then you are going to see a top-up payment as well. It looks like they're going to try to get that money out by mid-October. But like I said, talk to your crop insurance provider to find out more on the details of this top-up program. Markets in Chicago yesterday could have used a little topping up. December corn finished a penny and three quarters lower, 372 and a half. November beans closed three quarters of a cent lower, 888 and a half. December wheat was up seven at 484 and a quarter. July new crop wheat gained five and a half, settled at 498 and a half per bushel. 
Dairy was fairly quiet. Barrel cheese was unchanged at 161 and a quarter. 40 pound block cheese down three and a half at 190 and a quarter. Double A butter, that was up a half a cent, 214 and three quarters per pound. And fluid milk contracts were uh, softer as well. October milk down 17 at 1792 100 weight. November milk down 13 at 1795 100 weight. And please remember today, your absolutely last day where you can sign up for Dairy Margin Coverage Program under the 2018 Farm Bill. Check in with your FSA office to get that taken care of by close of business today. Coming up next, one farmer is excited about flour in Alaska. Details next. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Celebrating 100 years, the Wisconsin Farm Bureau. It's a grassroots organization of people just like you and me who care about keeping agriculture strong. Joining the Farm Bureau can also qualify you for a number of money-saving member benefits that include discounts on insurance, travel, even equipment. Farm Bureau proud for 100 years. Become a member today at WFBF.com. A voice for farmers, a vision for agriculture. Wisconsin Farm Bureau. As the number one farm insurer in Wisconsin, Rural Mutual is excited to announce the Rural Mutual Farm Dividend Program. The first of its kind in the state. They know how hard you work, so they want to reward you. Rural Mutual's Farm Dividend Program rewards farmers for their loyalty and dedication with up to a 5% dividend. And since Rural Mutual only does business in Wisconsin, premiums paid here stay here to keep Wisconsin strong. To learn more about Rural Mutual's Farm Dividend Program and how you may qualify, please contact a rural agent or visit RuralMutual.com. Someday, everyone will have an energy-efficient tankless water heater and an endless supply of hot water. Benjamin Plumbing is now an A-certified dealer of Renai Tankless Water Heaters, the number one selling tankless water heater in North America. Renai Tankless Water Heaters are up to 40% more efficient and provide endless hot water. Stop wasting tons of energy keeping 40, 50, even 75 gallons of water hot all day and night with your old water heater. Call Benjamin Plumbing today and learn more about the new state-of-the-art energy-efficient Renai tankless water heaters, including a factory-extended warranty. Go tankless. Endless hot water for your home with a new Renai water heater from Benjamin Plumbing. Hi, Dale Benjamin with Benjamin Plumbing. When we say your plumbing problem is fixed, we mean it. No excuses. I guarantee it. Contact Benjamin Plumbing at BenjaminPlumbing.com. Now you've got a friend in the plumbing business. Benjamin Plumbing. Killing every inch of land in the state, except Lambeau Field. There's consecrated ground. Pam Yonke and the Farm Report. All right, we're rolling towards 6 o'clock on the final Friday of September. You know, one thing about our Alaska farm tours, generally, we are visiting some of the same farms every time we go to Alaska. Nice part about that is you get to know the families a little bit. You get to watch them as they're growing or meet some of the challenges they have head on. That's the way it is with the Alaska Flower Company. The Wrigley family picked kind of the Delta Junction area of Alaska to start growing small grains and in turn turning that small grain production into flower production. And during our most recent trip, uh, telling us a little bit more about some of the value-added products that they're finding Alaskans love. Bryce Wrigley is the past president of the Alaska Farm Bureau, so he's a very well-connected gentleman, and he knows where this business could go. Catch is, do they have enough manpower to get it there? Bryce Wrigley and the Alaska Flower Company, a family-owned and operated enterprise that is still looking to expand 
in Delta Junction, Alaska. Yeah, we uh, we started out just raising flour, making flour, and um, and so we, everything that wasn't flour th- that we would that it would sift off, we would put it back through the mill and just make more flour. But uh, it doesn't seem like people do as much baking from scratch as they used to. And anyway, there were some of these products that we're putting back in to make more flour that, um, well, one of them looked like cereal, looked like cream of wheat. And so I took some in the house and, and made it up with the cream of wheat recipe and tasted really good. So we started calling that cream of barley. So we make cream of barley cereal now. We make uh, barley couscous. Um, which is also a product that we were regrinding for to get more flour. It's just it's simply larger particles of barley that that, uh, mm-hmm. that didn't get broke up all the way. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, and then we started making the flour into different mixes. So we make pancake mix and make two pancake mixes, uh, make a brownie mix, a cookie mix, and we're always looking for new mixes right. to to make up. Uh, what we find is that where most people don't really bake from scratch, they still like doing mm-hmm. it from mixes, mm-hmm. but we don't like our mixes to taste like the store. Mm-hmm. And so it takes a while for us to get things right so that so that it doesn't taste like a store mm-hmm. mix. How has the community embraced this effort? Oh, they've been really, really good. The store, local store here was the very first place that we put it in. He's been, uh, he, he takes a, a low uh, margin markup mm. on it, you know, uh, he, he told us n- numerous times, said, I don't make any money sitting on the shelf. So, well, uh, he takes a low margin, he moves it out. And, and this little store here in the community moves a lot of product. Mm-hmm. Um, and the people here uh, are really good. We've got some people who do a lot of hiking and, and outdoor, mm-hmm. um, activities and they take the barley cereal and the barley couscous with them because there's a lot of energy in barley right. and a lot of heat. So uh, if you're out there looking for something that you can take breakfast and then you don't have to worry about it again until you get done with your hike, barley's a good bet because mm-hmm. it, it does last for a long time. It's a complex carbohydrate, so it takes a while to break down. But within that whole framework, there's also uh, the beta-glucans, which are super good for people with diabetes. Mm-hmm. And barley is high in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a doctor down in Texas that, told, that contacted us about... Um, providing uh, a patient that was having some challenges uh, with the medicine with uh, uh, her diabetes. And so we sent some flour and some cereal down to him, and, and he was just absolutely flabbergasted at how how well it, it helped her manage that diabetes. Mm-hmm. And so since then, he's he's arranged with several uh, health food stores down there to carry our products. We send it down every, every couple of weeks. We send some more down there, and then he just sends his patients over there to get it. That's one of the educational curves that you and your family have been on. Let's talk a little bit about the fields. Uh, Now you're changing rotations a little bit. You've always been very conservation-minded, very much a steward of the soil. Tell me about that evolution as far as education is concerned and where you stand today with the no-till philosophy and how that's working in Alaska. Well, we've been really impressed with the the no-till. I got into no-till really because I didn't have enough tractor drivers. And as my kids left and <clears throat> couldn't find people to, uh, to keep all the equipment running and, and realized that no-till would be in a way of being able to plant without, getting, mm-hmm. uh, without having so many kids around. So we started doing that. And, and you know, once we kind of got started into the no-till, it, it sort of um, opened my mind a little bit, I guess, to, to other possibilities. What else can we do? I knew that the no-till... And I've seen that the no-till was, was changing the soil structure. 
and conserving the moisture. I knew about uh, conserving the soil carbon yeah. and feeding those microbes. Mm-hmm. But but that kind of opened my mind to what else could we do. And so we started uh, looking at cover crops. And, and I didn't know where to start on cover crops. There's nobody up here doing yeah. that kind of research. So I just contacted a, a guy that sells cover crop seed down in America and said had him send some up. And we just... Um, uh, started planting cover crops and rotating with the cover crops. It's been a really good thing. And then, um, uh, so as we started to cover crops again, that kind of started this avalanche, if you will, of, um, you know, what else can we do? Right. And so the pollinator habitat was intriguing to me. And so we decided that we would put in some pollinator habitat. Um, I got out in the cover crop field and I just loved hearing the bees. I just never had heard that that loud of a hum and it just was fascinating to me and and so we expanded the amount of acreage that we had in cover crops and and then also uh, decided that we would try and put in some pollinator habitat and see if that would help out too and it's not uh, don't uh, although you're right that's a fantastic way to be motivated but there are still livestock producers around here that will use some of that cover crop yeah and uh, since we started cover crops uh, there's I think four or five people in the area now doing cover crops and about half of them are doing um are grazing okay so they're putting different different cover crops for grazing purposes in there cool so yeah no it's really exciting i would i would love to put animals on my place but i i'm not going to do it (laughs) myself (laughs) (laughs) well you know that's the other thing bryce how has uh, the population changed the people that are actively engaged in alaskan agriculture every time i come to see you guys it's a little farther to go to find somebody that's in the game tell me how the agriculture community in alaska has has changed or is changing? Well, we see in this area, we see uh, the numbers of farms are going up, but the farms are getting smaller. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, so we got smaller farms as far as the crops that are being raised. I think that, you know, the, the whole climate change thing is, um, I mean, if you set aside the political stuff, yeah. the, the climate is always changed. Yeah. And I just want to be able to be prepared for whatever the climate opportunities are and uh and so we we push kind of push the envelope on wheat and canola and peas and things like that if we could get another five days out of the growing season in a few years then those would be viable crops and so um that's what we're seeing in in other areas too in 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 this location is is as the climate changes makes a little bit longer uh, or warmer uh, summers then we're hopeful that uh, one day we'll be able to raise wheat mm-hmm. and we'll be able to raise peas. Well, sure, and... right. Now, and part of that is with a greater good. Uh, you said that you were particularly motivated or it opened your eyes again when you watched Katrina mm-hmm. in an area with sophisticated infrastructure yeah. struggle to feed their population. That's been kind of a little bit of a motivator for uh, Alaska flour too. Yeah, and that was actually the impetus that started us down this road. Uh, when when Hurricane Katrina happened, and it took two weeks to get food into that town, and here it is at the end of this humongous superhighway, mm-hmm. and it, it took two weeks with all the resources of America to get food into those guys. I, I just couldn't help wonder how long would it take to get food into somebody like us. Mm-hmm. And so that's really what drove us to create the flour mill. Um, and And so our goal is to is to grow enough of a market that if that becomes uh, an issue, we can't get food into here, 
then we won't be able to get our, our food outside either. We won't be able to send flour outside. So we just divert those shipments. But you have to get to the point where you're producing enough to make a difference. And, and the population of Alaska is relatively small, and so we have to look outside mm-hmm. for more markets. So we sell online, we sell, you know, uh, through a number of venues mm-hmm. down on Azure, and uh, mm-hmm. we're in Canada now. We've exported to Canada. Mm-hmm. And so just looking for that large enough segment of, of population that the portion of that, seg- of that uh, population that will buy our products creates enough of a market for us that come the time when we need food here, yeah. then we have the capacity to deal with that. At least it's been thought about. Now, what is uh, any short-term, long-term goals that you and Milo have in your minds right now, Bryce? I mean, I don't know a farmer today that's not thinking about at least next year, mm-hmm. if beyond. How about you and Milo when you put the plan together? Yeah, well, we uh, right now we're just kind of solidifying our market. We want to get into Fred Myers. That's a, a mm-hmm. huge um market for this mm-hmm. state and uh we'd like to do well in whole foods we've uh, mm-hmm. they've contacted us mm-hmm. if we could get into some of those health food mm-hmm. places i i'm convinced that uh that barley as a as a um a nutritional is a, is a really good thing for people with diabetes mm-hmm. and i think that um we're missing the boat on on not using those kind of foods. Mm-hmm. This this doctor I was telling you about down in Texas, <clears throat> um, he he wanted to do a a, a clinical trial with the barley. Uh, mm-hmm. They they know that barley is a good mm-hmm. a good thing for diabetes, but uh, normally when they prescribe barley, then patients get gas sure. uh, or they get cramps. Mm-hmm. But the barley that we've been sending down does not do that. Mm-hmm. And so he wanted to do a clinical trial. How come this is yeah. working well for yeah. my patients, but yeah. no side effects? Mm-hmm. Uh, but FDA, when they got involved in that, they wanted to treat. They wanted to classify it as a um, as an experimental drug. Oh God! And he said, we'll "This is food. This is not experimental drug. We'll this is food." And so, um, because of that, he did his own trial. He didn't do a, yeah, a clinical trial, so it couldn't be published. But uh, the results were as as he expected. You know, they were really positive. So I think that we need to get to the point where more people are looking at this as a yeah. as a solution mm-hmm. to. Uh, we got forty percent of the population at yes. risk for diabetes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's a huge amount of people. If you could avoid that With by what diet. you ate, wouldn't you do that? That is one very excited and passionate producer in the Delta Junction region of Alaska, Bryce Wrigley, along with his son Milo and their families, working at Alaska Flora Company from the ground right on through to the marketing side of things and finding great success with the story that they're bringing to consumers about their Alaska flower and the value-added products. You want to find them, follow them on Facebook. They've got their website, Alaska Flower Company. And now you know. So enjoy World Beef Expo this weekend. We'll get ready to see you next week at World Dairy Expo, of course. And always follow along, fabulousfarmbabe.net or midwestfarmreport.com. And as always, social media, Fabulous Farm Babe. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke.